you know, in the, in the word of the Lord, whenever Paul would go from place to place, when he would leave, even after a few short months, the Bible says that they would weep on each other's shoulders, you know, uh, because love went deep. And I think if we don't get that, we miss everything, really. We're created to love, and we're created to love deeply. Um, and that takes time. I mean, we're talking a decade of time, um, a decade of faithfulness. Wendy and I were privileged to have dinner with them on Friday, was Thursday, or was it Wednesday? <laughs> I can't remember. Could have been Monday. <laughs> I forgot it was my birthday this month, so this is not good. <laughs> but on one sense, I'm like, oh, Lord, not, not Abby and Jean-Paul. <laughs> but in another sense, I'm like, wow, this is the way to transition. This is like healthy. And we often don't do that too good sometimes in the body of Christ, but we're getting better. We're growing, right? We're growing. Um, there's so, so much I could say, but we love you. And um, I think that this has been a really, really good season. And the Lord's positioning for you to be even in a better, better place in Jesus. Like even not, I'm not talking Atlanta. He's actually taking you there to bring you back here. But um, from good to great. So it's going to be um, incredible. A, a couple of just... Davis household happenings, just for you guys to be aware of. Um, we're, Wendy and I, next week, if you could think of us, speaking of birthdays, we're going out to Montana to celebrate my grandmother's 100th birthday. Can you believe that? She could beat anybody in this room in a race down the street, I'm telling you. Like, no medication, she's not on any medication. She has absolutely no health issues at all. Nothing. It's incredible. She even, my grandfather passed away just four years ago at 96, and now my grandmother even found a new boyfriend. <laughs> it's incredible. So, this is how we roll in the Davis household. <laughs> no. I would never do that to Wendy. <laughs> she would haunt me, she says. Oh, man. <laughs> I was like, Wendy, is that you? <laughs> Our son, Luke, we're also in another vein having so much fun um, with him. There's. There's actually so much redemption. If I could give you backstory, which I'm actually writing about in my book as it relates to his educational experience and how that's tied to the blessing in our lives through even Church United and our connection with Calvary Christian Academy. And there's just so much to it. But um, they went in, he's a football player, he's lacrosse and now he's doing football. And they went into this season undersized um, completely on all the statistics, completely outmatched on every level. And they didn't actually expect them to win maybe but a few games this year. And it's crazy, guys, what's going on. Like, 
they are undefeated right now, 7-0 and in the season. And Friday night, we played this school named Benjamin, and they're this elite school that recruits all the best players. They're ranked number three in the state, and we put the beat down on these guys on Friday. Oh my goodness. It was Friday night here, and I had a miss, so I couldn't tell anybody about it, but I was like, Lord, I need other Christians around me right now just so I can preserve my salvation during this game. Accountability. It was one of the best high school football teams that our games I've ever seen, and, and our little Lukey is just, I don't, I don't even know what to say. He's got a gift. It's amazing to watch. And beyond that, after every game, they're connecting with the other team, and each night of these games when they connect people are coming to jesus through their team it's incredible you look out and see them praying for the kids it's amazing so there's some beautiful things happening we had a testimony from friday night what i love about friday nights is it allows other people to come that maybe wouldn't be able to come here and experience and this actually came from a leader in the region another leader that came we we had people that drove as far north from stewart florida to come down for Friday night, and people from Miami-Dade came all the way up. But this was another leader, and listen to what this leader said. He said, I just wanna say thank you to everyone who served last night. She wrote this the next day. I was so impacted. I woke up this morning with the revelation that yesterday was so impactful because the Harbor community is a picture of Jesus in that your culture is to share from the substance of what God has done in your lives. You share with others from your history with him, and that's no small thing. I want to do that for others too. Thank you. Isn't that amazing? Incredible. And, you know, we're really positioning in our Friday nights to believe for something incredible to break out in this region that we'll bring to the table. So we would love, if you want to be a part of that team, it's going to be an exciting opportunity to get involved. I think when you plug in and just connect and say, hey, I'll serve, it's another way to engage with the community and relationships. So we're going to have Romy out there in the lobby next to the Welcome Center just answering any questions. Because we had, I mean, we were packed with kids on Friday night. Crazy. So the Lord is up to something big, guys. And it's, it's, it's beyond. Look at the room today. I mean, we thought, no, we do Friday nights. No one will show up on Sunday. Look, at, look around. This is amazing what the Lord's doing at the harbor right now. It's, it's, it's incredible. I, I've been, we've been here leading for 16 years. I've never felt the things that I feel right now. Never. Like we are getting positioned for all that we were created to do in God. It's taken a while. We've been slow oak growth, which is fine. Because we're not striving, we're not pushing through. We want the full process of God to work in us. We want to have the integrity to steward what God pours out, right? Because we'll be tested more in our success than we will in our challenges. Trust me. And so we want to make it to the end. We want to finish well. And so God's been faithful to just cultivate what he wants in our hearts and, and all of that. So I want to have Cleo and Deidre come up quickly. Cleo and Deidre, real fast, wherever you may be. We, we last couple weeks ago, we received some resources through the Bahamas Relief Fund, and we were able to throw a baby shower for Tanya, who just had to evacuate from there. Could you guys t tell us a little bit about what happened? That's amazing. Let's welcome Deidre, come on. 
Okay, good morning, everyone. Um, my name is Deidre. So as you all know, Tanya um, came in from the Bahamas after Hurricane Dorian hit, and um, her family just about lost everything that they owned. And so um, when she came here, I'm a very good Bahamas. When she came up here, um, her sister, who's also here, my, a friend of mine, um, told me that her sister was here. I'm sorry, I'm a little bit nervous. Um, and so I realized that there was a need um, she's nine months pregnant and she's due like any day now. And so, first baby. And so I just spoke to Cleo and I was like, Cleo, you know, I want to do something special for her, at least be a blessing to her. And then she decided to reach out to you guys. And, you know, we were able to, not only were we able to meet her need, but we were able to exceed her need. And so I just want to thank, <laughs> I just want to thank every one of you that donated, who prayed for her, who um, just had her in your thoughts. You guys are extremely generous. Um, thank you so much, Felicia. If you're in here, thank you so much for helping us to facilitate everything. Pastor Darren and Wendy, thank you so much for opening up your house and your family to be a blessing to Tanya. And on, the, on the behalf of her family from the Bahamas and her, she's extremely grateful and overwhelmed that a bunch of strangers would just do something for her like this, of this capacity. And she just sent me a quick text and I'll read it to you guys really quickly. And it says, the phrase God is good has become somewhat of a cliche in the body of Christ. But when you have experienced the goodness, God can truly appreciate this phrase. I'm sorry, when you can um, experience the goodness of God, you can truly appreciate this phrase. Good morning, Harbor Church. And once again, thank you for your generosity. It is truly the love of God that compels one to reach out and help complete a, um, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It is truly the love of God that compels one to reach out and help a complete stranger. I have actually received more from you than at my actual baby shower we had before the storm hit. Thank you to the pastors of this church for allowing this act of kindness to take place. I will forever be grateful and I pray that God continues to bless you with an even greater measure how you blessed me. Come on. Come on, let's give it up to the Lord. That's amazing. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Wow. You know, and I want to I give honor where honor's due. This happened because of them. You know what I mean? They recognized the need. They had compassion for it. But they didn't just stay there. They said, we're going to do something about this. They took a risk. And they were willing to do it by themselves. I said, no, 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 let's all, let's include the body. So let's give a big hand for everybody that helped out to make that happen, it's awesome. Thank you. Do this with me, turn to Joshua chapter four. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read a scripture to you and then we're gonna just see what Holy Spirit would have to say to us today. We've been in a series on the tipping point of God where through different facets of his kingdom, he set something in motion that could never be stopped. We've been looking at all kinds of different topics over the course of this series. And today, we're going to look at generosity. And this, none of this was timed or planned or anything. I'm just like amazed at the Lord of his sovereignty and guiding us as a community in his word. And and want to read this to you in Joshua chapter 4, verse beginning of verse seven, uh, 4, actually, sorry. It says this, so Joshua called together the 12 men he had chosen, one from each of the tribes of Israel. He told them, go into the middle of the Jordan in front of the ark of the Lord your God, and each of you must pick up a stone and carry it on your shoulder. 
12 stones in all, one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. Verse 6, he says, you will use these stones to build a memorial. Everybody say memorial. In the future, your children will ask, what do these stones mean? And he says, then you can tell them that it will remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of God's Covenant went across. And these stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel, now pay attention, forever. So it's an eternal memorial. Our lives are meant to be eternal memorials on the earth that will live forever. And the stories of our lives, as God bursts forth from within the deepest part of our being, generosity, I submit out of revelation of the resurrection, which I'm going to talk about, and then we're going to close with communion today, is what is going to bring a tipping point to the earth as it relates to the revival, if you will, that we're all talking about, that we're all feeling. I was sitting with Jesus on Thursday this week. My house, it's, it's where I do the majority of my study because I can just be focused and tap into whatever the Lord is saying. I had, I had one of the most beautiful experiences with Jesus. I, I'm only going to be able to get out a glimpse of it to you today, but it was amazing. Amazing. And something happened on the inside of me, and by the grace of God, I want to just overflow from that space into your hearts today. When Wendy and I were finishing up our two-year time in Dallas when we went to Bible school before he was getting ready to position us for our next season, I had the honor to speak at the Christ for the Nations graduation that year. They would actually take one of the students and they would allow them so many minutes to speak to the graduating body. And then they would have the big gun come in after that and, you know, bring the, bring the hammer, you know, shuck the corn, you know, bring the wood, you know what I mean? And, and, and it, was all, it was an awesome night. And as I was sitting there on Thursday, I forgot that my message to the student body was actually out of Joshua chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. And what I did is I actually went out into the countryside and I found 12 stones and I put this kind of like, I don't know, shellacking over the top of them to kind of pretty them up a little bit. And then I found these, these uh, plastic crosses in a store and I glued the crosses to the tops of the rocks. And then I asked the the executive team there at Christ the Nation, I said, can I see the list of um, students that are graduating tonight? And I prayed, I said, Holy Spirit, when I look at this list, I want you to highlight 12 people to me. And so in my speech, I actually called these 12 ones up to the front and asked them to grab a stone, and we created this memorial that night. And here's what I want you to, I, I wanted to put this in their hearts because I thought about this scripture, I thought about, like, when we read stuff like we're reading here in Joshua chapter 4 verse 4 through 7 it's a story a memorial of what God has already done like think about this like it's through the word of the Lord through 
oral tradition and then eventually the canonization of the scripture like it's something real that actually happens happened that's inspiring us right so it's what God has done but think about the Israelites for them it was something that God was just going to do can you imagine the risk that they were taking they're like they're following what God told them to do and they're supposed to put these rocks in the center of the Jordan and he's supposed to supernaturally dry the thing up so they could all walk across it was a major moment in the, in, the, in the life of the nation of Israel. They were coming out of bondage in Egypt into freedom and fullness. It was a picture, really, of the transition from old, old covenant reality into new covenant Christianity. It was a Kairos moment. It was huge. And there's been a lot that God has done in our church in lives like John, Paul, and Abby over the last 16 years. But can I submit in your life, fill in your name into that blank. But I want to submit, when I was sitting with the Lord on Thursday, and man, I had this encounter with Jesus, like, he was like, Darren, you have, there's been all kinds of good things that you've done, I've done through you, and the church here, and everybody's stories, intersecting one another's stories. But he said, you have no idea what I'm getting ready to do. And here's what I want to submit. I think that we live in this constant tension between the good things that God has done and the greater things that He's going to do. And I love looking back and celebrating what's happened, but I want to tell you, I was challenged. And I pray that you feel that challenge today that we need to step out if you will into the place of vulnerability and risk with the things that we're sensing and feeling that he's going to do it's a moment so here's what I want to do briefly because I don't have a lot of time in Matthew chapter 26 Mark 14 Luke 7 and John 12 there's four different accounts of this unnamed woman who breaks the alabaster box over the head and the feet of Jesus. By the way, that treasure that she broke over the head and the feet of Jesus was equal to one year's entire salary. And so it was costly. It was, it was an extravagant act of generosity. And for whatever reason, Holy Spirit brought me to these three different aspects of this story because he wanted to unveil to me something that I never saw before. Because I was like, what unlocked that in this woman's life where she would put everything probably that she had on the line for the sake of what God was going to do? Because just to give you some context here, you know, uh, we know this unnamed woman was Mary of Bethany because of John 11:2, she's the sister of Martha. We know that biblical character, the busy one always doing stuff, and the sister of Lazarus. And when this took place, it happened at the, actually the very end of Jesus' ministry, right before he was going to be crucified, right after the resurrection of Mary's brother, Lazarus, from the dead. So just to kind of give you some timetable here, and all of this, by the way, transpires in Simon of Bethany, who it says in ch chapter 26, verse 6, 
who used to be a leper. So track with me. Her brother was raised from the dead. She's sitting in the house of a man who used to be a leper. I mean, I don't know about you, but I haven't seen anybody that rot was rotten in the grave for three days get up out of it. Or someone who was once a leper get healed to that kind of a degree. Those are some pretty good things. But can you imagine Jesus had something even greater, but actually no one at the time, the Lord showed me this, no one at the time was able to see it until Mary of Bethany. Oh my God. And what happened unlocked something that set the stage for all that was getting ready to transpire in the heart of God. She was going to move from this place of all that God had done into what he was going to do. She was going to get out of the tension. Come on, there's some people in this room, you're in a tension place right now. You're kind of like, you're feeling it, but you don't really know. You could recount all the stories, but there's more for you. But you don't really know. It's scary a little bit. You know, when we came down here 16 years ago, every single penny that we had, we put into what God was doing here. It's like Spencer said, we actually believed in what we're doing. I wasn't going to say that because, you know, the enemy's like, well, you'll lose your blessing. No, forget it. Like, we gave everything to, to, to the church. We didn't take a salary for four years, five years. Because we believed. Everybody on our team right now, volunteers and staff alike, they believe. They give everything because they believe what's going on here, what God is up to. Jesus says something, I want you to catch this in Matthew 26, about this action of, of generosity. In verse 13, he says, this is amazing. He says, I tell you the truth. Chapter 26, verse 13. Wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. The King James, New King James Version says, what this woman has done will be told as a memorial to her. It's going right back to Joshua. It's actually now being instituted. It's, it's right there, the moment that we saw symbolically, figuratively, literally, but just the picture of what was going to transpire some 2,000 years later is happening. But Mark, in the midst of this moment, he reveals, and you've got to catch this, he reveals the judgment that's coming against this woman and her extravagant act of kindness. Please hear me, and I say this with the love of God. There is something so profound, and there are people that are just wanting and willing to step out, but there is a spirit of judgment in the earth against what God is going to do. We don't even realize it, but it's there. And it's happening and breaking out right here in this verse. Verse 4 in chapter Mark of chapter 14, it says, Some of those who were sitting at the table were indignant. If we were leading... We would do it different. Why waste this expensive perfume 
They continue on. They said, man, we could have given, you know, it could have been sold for a year's wages and, and we could have given the money to the poor. And they, it says that they scolded her harshly. Judas, we know, who was the ringleader of those who were indignant. The word literally there means greatly afflicted. Was stealing for himself out of the treasury of the Lord. You see in John chapter 12 verse 6 it says that not that he cared for the, for the poor. He was actually a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often, it says, stole for himself. With no judgment towards Judas, because I want to I look into my own soul. I want to ask Jesus the question, where am I robbing you? What's going on here? I asked the Lord, I said, what was happening? He says, well, he was riding, Judas was riding the wave of what God had been doing. I mean, there was this, everybody was following the Lord. Miracles were breaking out. But he actually didn't believe yet what God was going to do. And so when you're not in that space, you start looking out for me, myself, and I because you don't really believe yet in the future. We're going to pass the communion in a minute, but I, I, I just, I got to set this up because I, I got to get to where I'm going here and I'm almost there. So let's just go a little deeper, just a couple minutes. You see, on a myriad of occasions prior to this, Jesus had spoke about his soon coming death, burial, and then resurrection. But you gotta look, you go, go look all throughout the New Testament. You know, we won't, actually, we're gonna have the band come up, they're gonna sing us, we're gonna go ballistic and sing a song here, and then we'll pass out the, well, actually, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. But no one really even, it was like no one even heard the Lord. Like he was like trying to tell them what was going to happen. And I think if they did hear the Lord, they're like, well, there's no way that's really going to happen. Like, there's no way. First of all, they just didn't even believe that that's how the kingdom was going to come into the earth through a man dying. You guys can come and pass the, the elements. <laughs> but no one understood this until Mary. Because Lazarus' resurrection was great, but there was actually something greater. So she's there, I think on Friday, right? There was this big focus on, on Jesus sitting before his feet, right? That's where it's got to begin. But I believe it was when she was sitting before the feet of Jesus that as she thought back to the resurrection of her brother, something clicked on the inside. She's like, oh my God, this is what Jesus has been saying the whole time. This is what's actually going to happen with him. We don't even really want to hear him talk about a death, let alone a resurrection. Even if he did die, we're not going to probably believe it. And you can see that bore out in the story. Everybody ran and hid, except for Mary. 
So Jesus confirms what actually is going on in her heart. Look at this in Matthew chapter 26, verse 10. He says, he says, why criticize this woman for doing such a good thing for me? He says in verse 11, you will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. She has poured this perfume on my body in preparation for my burial. Now track with me, you gotta hear me. My wife does physical therapy with the geriatric community, okay? And you gotta know something about that field. Hardly anybody that's a physical therapist wants to go and work on people that are old. Do you wanna know why? Because they don't actually believe that they're gonna get any better. So why would they invest the treasure of their time and their talents to pour into somebody or something that may not, because of the, let's just be real, people get older, their bodies break down, that there's probably not too much value in that and I'll just go do something else. I'll go work on the athlete or you know the young person or whatever. And God, when I was sitting in that moment, he's like, you need to learn something of me from your wife. Because she goes in there believing the power of the resurrection. She has led so many people, and I say so many, so many for me, to Jesus. And have prayed for elderly people that had no hope of healing. And she's seen breakthrough. It's incredible. But it's because she believes she has value for them. So the oil is poured over the head of Jesus, which is anointing his authority, and is poured over the feet of Jesus, which is anointing his servant heart. You see, the two come together. We can't serve the world unless we have authority. And you can't have any authority unless you serve. I was like hoping for an amen to pop right there. That was real. I didn't was even plan. That wasn't even in my notes. But here's what I believe: extravagant generosity towards the body of Christ, initiated by faith in the resurrection. We're not gonna like. I'm just gonna tell you culturally here, because I've seen this in ministry. We could manipulate generosity here if we wanted to. I'm not gonna do it. I'm gonna be like Lord. I want extravagant rev, rev, uh, generosity to come because we actually believe in the power of the resurrection. Like for real. Like Jesus got up out of the grave. He conquered death and hell. He ascended above all principalities and powers and authority and dominion and, and realms of darkness. And he took a seat in the place of rest in his authority at the right hand of the Father who created all things. And it says that he's making the earth his footstool. Well now how does what's in heaven translate to the earth? We start actually getting a glimpse into oh my God, he says this is what he was going to do and he did it. He got up out of the grave. Because you can come to church and get all kinds of beautiful examples of, wow, look at what's happening and hear in testimonies. But unless you have revelation for this for yourself, you're not going to live extravagant. 
You're not going to put it all on the line. You're not going to put it all out there. Because fear will come and tell you, listen, if you're generous, if you lay it all on the line, what's in this for you? What are you going to do with your tomorrow? The same lady, I'm going to end with this, and then we're going to sing this song. We're going to take our communion. We're going to sing a song. That was blessed by our Friday night. She gave Julie a word that just came from a guy in Virginia, and I paraphrased it in, in a couple of different ways. But here's the word. Doesn't know us, doesn't know anything of what's happening down here. Listen, listen to what he said. He says, I saw a vision of the state of Florida. Then suddenly a portion of the state was magnified in my sight. The southeastern edge of Florida running from West Palm Beach all the way down to Miami. He said, I saw a citywide prayer movement that would be instrumental in destroying the pathways and works of darkness that have led and held communities captive in the minds of many in captivity. He said, I saw major leaders standing on a huge stage declaring Jesus' love for the city and for the state and for the region. Leaders across all races and nationalities gathered not for one church or for one man's name, but for the region in the name of Jesus. The appearance of the outpouring will not be specific in its appearance of past moves of God because it will not be God moving in one building or in one church or through one minister, but through everyone in the region that is being countered by the power of the resurrection. There have been many powerful revivals that have operated, but this one will be more decentralized. It will be the revelation of God's love to the people outside of the four walls of the church. Transform people who are transforming culture. God will pour out his fire and love to the hungry, worshipful believers who will take this fire of his love into the region around them. The gifts of the Spirit, prophecy, healing, deliverance will take place in the streets and in marketplace spaces. People who have, listen, who have never set foot in the church before or opened a Bible will experience powerful conversions as they encounter the love of God working through these believers. This outpouring will be an overflow of God's love and Spirit from churches to this community in a powerful way. So here's what we're going to do. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to think about a body that was broken. That took the hint for every sin, missing of the mark, past, present, and future. All the anger, all the agitation, all the frustration. out on him by his own creation beaten and yet he still loved because he saw to the other side of this moment he saw something greater he knew in his time on earth that he was limited 
not omnipresent, but he would make it through this horrific act of murder. And blood would be spilled, pure blood. He had done nothing wrong. He had not committed any crime. He had never gotten angry to the place of sinning. He loved up until the very end. This blood, when it hit the soil of the earth, the earth shook. Dead people began to get up out of the graves in Jerusalem and walk around and tell people about the kingdom of God and, and the reality of this one called the Son of God, that he truly came to seek and save everything that was lost. Everything is a victory for us. Everything God turns and positions us for even better momentum. Nothing can be taken for us. No person or situation has that kind of power. Lord, we remember the gospel today. I want you to take that piece of bread and as you chew on it, I want you to think about that beautiful, precious body of Jesus that Mary saw and said, I'm going to give everything. I'm going to lay it all down. I'm going to spend it all on that body. I'm putting it all on the body. I'm putting it all on that body. It's going to get up out of the grave. It's not going to stay there. I believe. I believe. I really do. I believe. I'm willing to risk again. You see, her brother, he got up out of the grave too. But his blood wasn't going to do it. All the miracles we can experience are incredible, but the miracle of the blood of Christ being spilled for the remission of the sin of sin of humanity is where it's at. When you drink, could you ponder its power? Could you ponder its authority to really crush anything and everything that's dark? Oh, I feel so much hope in this room today. I feel so much power in this room today. The blood of the Lamb. The blood of the Lamb. The blood of Jesus, the blood of the Son of God. Oh, could you take a drink? Yeah. Oh, we worship you, Lord. We bless your name in this place, Lord. We love you. 
to be the thief. We don't want to be taking for our own preservation. We want to we want to spend it all on the Son of God. We want to give it all to the Lord. We want to put it all out there. We want to move from being stuck in what God has done into what He's going to do. And it's going to take not just one person or ten. It's going to take every single one of us transitioning like Mary of Bethany did. And so the gospel is a memorial to what happened in her because what happened in her set something in motion, a tipping point that could never be stopped. A belief that in risking it all for what happened to Jesus is a good bet. It's a good risk. <laughs> so I know we got to get our children and, and I know some of you have to go and you're going to be officially dismissed. But here's what we're going to do for those that can stay or if you get your kids and bring them back. We're going to lift up a song. And I was just sitting there and I heard the, the, the words, you know, I've seen you move. I've seen you move mountains, but you're going to do it again. So it came and I, I remembered, oh my God, that's a worship song. And these guys didn't rehearse it. I was just like, Justin, they got to play it. We got to release it. We got to like let this out. We got to get it out of us. We got to say, you've done this, but you're going to do it again. Don't stay stuck in what the Lord has done. Keep moving on to what he's going to do. This is the key. And then generosity will come out of you. Otherwise, man, we're going to pull inward. We're never meant to be inward. We're always meant to be outward focused. God. Let's go into this. Let's just lift this up. Again, I know we got to get our kids. Let's go relieve those workers. So come back in. But let's, let's stand all over this room. For those of you that, that have a few minutes, and let's just kind of go there for just a second and just see what Jesus wants to do. Service is over, but not over. No condemnation, please. I, we got to go soon. We have a lunch appointment ourselves, but let's lift this up. Let's lift this up.
share this. So as I was sitting there on Thursday, I was thinking back over my time from that moment at Christ for the Nations up until now. And to be honest, in my youth, I didn't fully know what I was signing up for when I said, man, I believe, and I go in. That's one extreme, right? And so God has to stabilize us in not diminishing our faith, but understanding the reality of the cost and making wise choices under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, right? Because I would have done anything. I would have just jumped off a cliff for God if He wanted me to, if I felt like He wanted me to do that, right? But then now I'm sitting there 50 years old. And when we're older, we get a little more cautious because we've had some years under our belt. And the Lord is like, it's time to risk again. You're playing it way too safe, dear. So there's the tension of those two moments. And earlier in the week, I'm going to close with this, and then we're just going to let them play. You guys can do what you want to do. Felicia told me, she never does this, but she told me about a woman in our church who I know is on a fixed income, and she gave an extravagant gift based on where she's at in life. And I was like, it's something, I don't know how to say it, something happened in me. I was like, man, if she in her 80s can do this, I can do it again. I was like, my God, and we, trust me, we needed those resources. It was like perfect timing. Four months of street construction where none of us, including myself, could even find my way to the campus. You know what I'm talking about? Sunday off from hurricanes. And this woman risked it all again. I was like, oh my God, what is the deal? Where are you at today? On the front end, on the back end, somewhere in between. Come and just be with Jesus for a little bit. Sit at his feet like Mary did. Sit at his feet. Ask him, show me the good plan that you have for me tomorrow. Hold me on the path of this journey. Inspire me to be extravagant. Lord, thank you for your presence in this place, for your glory in this place. future tomorrow as people as a community as a region is beyond anything we could even imagine set the stage position us to cross over to cross in to the promised land that you have for us in Jesus name we're going to have some intercessors here at the front if you need prayer Come on up. We love you guys.